I feel like we have a lot of things to unpack. I feel like in the coming weeks, we're going to be talking about a lot of topics that are going to be inherently uncomfortable for a lot of people. But it's that uncomfort that's needed to inspire change. If you're comfortable in your environment, then you don't seek out the answers to change what's wrong. Because change requires work. And work doesn't happen when you're comfortable. Um, Peggy McIntosh was a um, white civil rights activist, feminist, who coined the term um, white privilege. And she wrote a uh, essay that was groundbreaking back in 1988. Um, so the term white privilege, while you socially is new to social media, it's not a new term. Um, but it has been forgotten, and it has been forgotten by not just white people, it has been forgotten by black people as well. Because for what you don't understand, we thought was normal, right? So when a Caucasian person is, for a small example, is submitting their application or resume to a job and gets accepted to their job versus an African-American person is submitting a resume to a job and they're denied based off the first name or the last name, right? That's a privilege that you have, that, that white people have, that black people don't have. And I think what we have to understand is, is that white privilege in itself is not inherently racist having white privilege and knowing that you have white privilege is also not inherently racist but it does stem from racism so peeling it back right because we got to peel it back and unpack it it's a lot to go over um racism if you look at the true definition of the word racism right uh it's like an individual or, or a group level process or processes that's structured in a way to keep in place racial inequality, right? So it's a designed system meant to keep and perpetuate and reproduce racial inequality. That's racism, right? So it could be the form of... Um, zoning or or what's another good way for somebody to be racist uh gentrification right you're pushing people out of their homes that they can barely afford because the rent is cheap in this area and we cannot build up this area to accommodate these people by pushing these people out and moving them out because we want to keep this area clean, quote, for these type of people to move in. So to keep it nice and clean for these people to move in, we have to move these people out. So what do we do? We um, raise the rent. We start putting in establishments that are like chain establishments. Start kicking out mom and mom and pop shops. Right, I think the best way to explain it would be, um, I lived in Notion Avenue, 
in a one-bedroom apartment in Brooklyn. And from what it was then to what it is now is completely different, right? Because that area used to be like primarily West Indian, right? You had your West Indian shops, you had your chicken shops on the corners. Sadly to say, you had your liquor shops. You had your mom and pop bodegas on the corner and stuff like that. Now, there's a Dunkin' Donuts. There's a Subway's. There's um, a Starbucks. Once you see Starbucks building in your area, you might as well just pack up. Because it's done. It's done, son. Once you see a Starbucks, pack it up. Pack it up. It's a wrap. So, looking at all of it, right? And then we go down to to the line of systematic racism, which happens when these structures or processes are carried out by groups with power. So like government, businesses, schools, right? So racism itself differs from bias, right? Because it can be conscious and unconscious, right? It can be prejudice, but it's it's against individuals or groups and it's based on hate, right? We all have unconscious biases. We all have biases. We're raised in an environment that creates these biases. How you act and perpetuate those biases dictates how you treat people, hence makes you racist, right? And because we don't have the power or the processes of structures to implicate and reproduce racial inequality, because black people can't make racial inequality for white people, Hispanics can't make racial inequality for white people because the system has been designed and created, perpetuated over years for white people. Inherently, we can't be racist. Now, we could be prejudiced, yes, but racist, no. Welcome to the third episode of Jay's 15 for 15, and we doing the most today. I want to start out by saying, I said it in the first episode, um, there's three types of white people to me. There's your covert racist, your overt racist, and your progressives. Let me, let me put it in this way. I hate racists, period. Whether you're covert or overt. I respect overt racists more than covert racist because you are who you are and you're not changing that and nothing is going to change it. But guess what? I know who you are and I know to avoid you. Covert racist, I don't know who you are because you're laughing in my face. You're talking to me. You say hi and bye in the morning. You come to my office. You sit down. You chat it up a little bit. But behind my back, you hate me and for no good reason. I've always asked myself the question, why do 
racist white people, and I'm talking about only and strictly racist white people, because I want people to understand, I don't hate white people, I hate racists, right? And I don't want to say the term, I have white friends. No, that's not what I'm saying. I have mentors. I have family that are white. I call them my family. They're not truly my family, but because of the bond that we shared, y'all my family, right? And they're white, and they're progressive, and they understand. And I grew up with them, like I went to school with them, grew up with them, and we talked till today, right? I'm talking about the racist white people, the covert racist, um, Amy Cooper, to the overt racist, I ain't going to name no names, right? So... <clears throat> why do you hate us we don't have what you have um you think of white privilege right i don't i have to tell my kids how to interact with cops so that they don't get killed when they're going out for a drive to the store I have to think about the names I'm going to give my children because when they put their names on an application for school or for a job, I have to be conscious that their names are going to be perceived a certain way and not looked at like negatively and not even given a chance to interview for the job just based on their name. If I want to buy a house, in a nice area, I have to send one of my friends that are white to start the process and to, to, to go to the open houses because if I go myself, I might not see all of the nice houses in this area. Shit, I might not even see this area, right? Zoning. Um, I gotta worry about my kids with other kids and their parents teaching them racist ideologies uh one of my friends at work told me that his daughter came home crying saying that um daddy daddy the kids at school said i got black hair but i don't have black hair i have brown hair he said baby that's not what they were talking about it wasn't the color of your hair that they were talking about it was the texture of your hair and because you're black that's hate why do kids treat other kids like that and they were teasing her I, I heard another story about a kid who kicked a ball into uh, an, one of the neighbor's yard and it was a white couple um, and the kid wanted to get his ball back so the kid went into the yard with his hands up in the air and walked towards the ball grabbed the ball with one hand and kept his arm up in the air and walked back out. Your kids don't have to worry about that. My kids do. That's white privilege. That is what it means to be white in America. To have to walk down the street and not have to worry about, oh, the cops are gonna fuck me up if I jaywalk. Or the cops are not gonna or the cops are not gonna fuck me up because of my broken taillight. Right? Or that I'm I'm adequately represented on TV. When I turn the TV on, I could see myself and my kids could see themselves as doctors, 
lawyers, um, football stars, athletes, um, strong, stable homes with a good family nucleus, um, superheroes. What else? Um, what else do you want? It's so maddening that you have so much, but still hate so much. And for what? Because it can't be what we don't have. So it has to be strictly based off the color of our skin. And that's what I don't get. Because you don't know me. We could have the same beliefs, the same hobbies. But because my skin is a couple of damn shades darker than yours, you hate me. I don't hate white people. I hate racists. And that's why. Because they hate without reason. We hate because we're conditioned. Right? We're conditioned to hate the people that hate us. It's been a process ongoing over time. This has been brewing for decades. Centuries. Right? We constantly relive history every year. If a neutral observer were to look at the state of America right now, they would question whether this was 2020 or 1948. It's that bad. The only difference is, is that we're able to fight back now. Before, where a white woman could say that that black man raped me, and then a couple weeks later, he's found unrecognizable to his family. Now we have video. Now it's, on, it's recorded. Like my good friend Derek said, what happened to um, George Floyd is the same thing that happened to Tavon Martin. Only difference is George Floyd was recorded. And that's sad. Right? Because while your kid can wear um, a hoodie and walk to the store, get some Skittles and a drink, I got to tell my kid, nah, bro. I'm walking with you. That's white privilege. That's the problem in America right now is that nobody truly sits down and looks in the mirror and asks themselves, why am I so privileged? I feel like what tends to happen is that when it gets addressed, people get defensive and they start to say, well, I had the same issues and the same problems. I pay the same taxes and I pay the same money to go to, to school or get on the bus or go get on a train. I pay the same amount as you. I pay the same amount of money for my groceries and it sucks. Yeah, you have human problems. Those are human problems. You wake up, you gotta go to work. That's a human problem. It might suck, that's a human problem. You gotta pay, in New York, you gotta pay 275 for a one-way fare. That's a New York problem. That's a fucking ridiculous New York problem. But it's still a human problem. Driving down the street at 9 a.m. in Atlanta and getting tased by the cops and being pulled out your car and beat up. Nah, that's a black problem. That's not a white problem. 
That don't happen to white people. That's the difference. I said it before. If you were to switch roles for one day, would you? Honestly, if you were to switch roles, like like Freaky Friday, right? You wake up in my body in the middle of Georgia, in the middle of Atlanta. Well, not Atlanta, like um, New Brunswick, Georgia. I think that's where it was. Or Minneapolis. Or shit. Let's go to Nashville. Let's go to Alabama, right? Let's go to Texas. Would you switch roles? Would you do it? I, I guarantee you wouldn't because you know, right? You're not stupid. You're not dumb. You see what's going on. You see the issues. You see the problems. But because it doesn't bother you, you're not worried about it. I think the funniest, most hypocritical thing I ever saw on, on the internet was this guy. In his past, if you look at his social media, he was pro-gun, super pro Second Amendment, like, yo, my guns, these are my guns. And sadly, his kid was one of the victims of a mass shooting. I can't remember the state. We've had so many. The kid didn't die, but he was badly injured. That changed his tone. So instead of being pro-gun... He's now anti-gun and pro-gun law. What changed? The bullet hit too close to home. Instead of it being somebody else's kid, it was now his kid. And that's the difference. You won't change until the shit hits your doorstep. Kneeling to a national anthem is so far-fetched for you. That it has become what it is right now. I told my friend, I said, it's funny because I think they wish we can kneel right now and do it peacefully. But we're beyond that. We're so far removed from civility because of how much we've been pushed that talking no longer seems like a viable option. Even Martin Luther King, who some of you like to cite in times like this, changed his tone in the end. You can't expect people to continually take shit and take it and not do something. It's a classic David and Goliath story. How many times are you going to be pushed over by the big giant? And big giant being the, the blue shield and the wall, the, the silent blue wall, whatever that shit's called. And not all cops, but a good fucking majority of them, right? Government, the system, the high incarceration rates. Social injustices, our education system, right? Kids in certain areas can't even get proper meals. 
the student to teacher ratio are sometimes upwards of 35 to 1. The books are non-existent. What the hell is a computer lab? What is that? What does that look like? You've pushed minorities into a corner and now you expect them to sing and pray and wish, hopefully, that it would end. But it starts with you. Right? It starts with you. You have an opportunity to change. You can change all of this as if you're willing to do it. America is in a grave state and don't ask black people to fix it because they can't. They tried. They did every single possible protest they could possibly do. They did peaceful protests, they did peaceful marches, social, social media engagements, uh, trying to talk to congressmen and politicians. None of that shit worked. Every way that you told us to do, we did. So now here we are. It's not just George Floyd. It's not just Christian Cooper. It's not just Sean Reed. It's not just Ahmaud Arbery. It's not just Breon Taylor. It's not just Philando Castile, Mike Brown, Trayvon Martin, Sandra Bland. It's those people and us. Because who knows if tomorrow the next name added after George Floyd is Rainier Jeffrey or Derek Dudley or somebody that you know. Who knows? We're terrified, we're fed up, we're angry, and we're emotional, and you're not listening. And because you're not listening, shit's going down. While I don't condone looting, because it goes against the cause, and it detracts from the message and the, the, the rightfulness of the protest because while I am pro-black, I am also pro-righteous, right? And there's nothing righteous about looting, especially in your own areas. If you go and loot and fuck shit up, fuck shit up where it's really gonna do something, right? If it has to be done. Fuck shit up where it's like, all right, nah, Y'all can't be fucking this up. Y'all fucking up your own community. And so while I don't condone it, I understand it. And I understand the anger behind it. And I understand the frustration that comes with it. And as the cops continue to try to remedy or, or get control of the situation, as they bring the anti um, anti-crowd uh, Humvees and tanks and all this stuff that they didn't bring for the gun-toting alt-right whites people 
that stormed the nation capital with automatic rifles fully loaded with bullets as they continue to do those things you're just going to antagonize the situation even further and you're going to make it more worse than it has to be so like i said what do y'all want to do what do y'all what do y'all want to say what should we say how should we handle this you know, like, should celebrities go out and say, hey, stop the looting? For what? It's not going to do anything. And also, if you really look at it, it's not just black people looting. It's white people taking opportunities to loot, too. And some of them are actually inciting the looting. There was an article that came out today of a young man, Caucasian male, that was the one that, that burnt the... the um. The Liberty Building in Georgia. Was it Georgia? I think it was Georgia. He was the one. He was the arsonist that burned the Liberty Building in Georgia. So y'all are inciting it. And the media is portraying us as, as, as the villains. Crazy. I feel like we have a lot of things to unpack. I feel like in the coming weeks we're going to be talking about a lot of topics that are going to be inherently uncomfortable for a lot of people. But it's that uncomfort that's needed to inspire change. If you're comfortable in your environment, then you don't seek out the answers to change what's wrong because change requires work and work doesn't happen when you're comfortable. Um, Peggy McIntosh was a um, white civil rights activist, feminist, who coined the term um, white privilege. And she wrote an uh, essay that was groundbreaking back in 1988. Um, so the term white privilege, while you socially is new to social media, it's not a new term. Um, but it has been forgotten, and it has been forgotten by not just white people, it has been forgotten by black people as well. Because for what you don't understand, we thought was normal, right? So when a Caucasian person is, for a small example, is submitting their application or resume to a job and gets accepted to their job versus an African-American person is submitting a resume to a job and they're denied based off the first name or the last name, right? That's a privilege that you have, that, that white people have, that black people don't have. And I think what we have to understand is, is that white privilege in itself is not inherently racist 
having white privilege and knowing that you have white privilege is also not inherently racist, but it does stem from racism. So peeling it back, right? Because we got to peel it back and unpack it. It's a lot to go over. Um, racism, if you look at the true definition of the word racism, right? Uh, it's like an individual or, or a group level process or processes that's structured in a way to keep in place racial inequality, right? So it's a designed system meant to keep and perpetuate and reproduce racial inequality. That's racism, right? So it could be the form of um, zoning or, or what's another good way for somebody to be racist? Uh, gentrification, right? You're pushing people out of their homes that they can barely afford because the rent is cheap in this area and we cannot build up this area to accommodate these people by pushing these people out and moving them out because we want to keep this area clean, quote, for these type of people to move in. So to keep it nice and clean for these people to move in, we have to move these people out. So what do we do? We um, raise the rent. We start putting in establishments that are like chain establishments, start kicking out mom and mom and pop shops, right? I think the best way to explain it would be, um, I lived in Ocean Avenue uh, in a one bedroom apartment in Brooklyn. And from what it was then to what it is now is completely different, right? Because that area used to be like primarily West Indian, right? You had your West Indian shops, you had your chicken shops on the corners. Sadly to say you had your liquor shops you had your mom and pop bodegas on the corner and stuff like that. Now there's a Dunkin' Donuts, there's a Subways, there's um, a Starbucks. Once you see Starbucks building in your area, you might as well just pack up because it's done. It's done, son. Once you see a Starbucks, pack it up. Pack it up. It's a wrap. So looking at all of it, right, and then we go down to to the line of systematic racism, which happens when these structures or processes are carried out by groups with power. So like government, businesses, schools, right? So racism itself differs from bias, right? Because it can be conscious and unconscious, right? It can be prejudice, but it's, just, it's against individuals or groups and it's based on hate, right? We all have unconscious biases. We all have biases. We're raised in an environment that creates these biases. How you act and perpetuate those biases dictates how you treat people, hence makes you racist, right? And because we don't have the power or the processes of structures to implicate and reproduce racial inequality, because black people can't make racial inequality for white people, Hispanics can't make racial inequality for white people because the system has been designed and created, perpetuated over years for white people. 
inherently, we can't be racist. Now, we could be prejudiced, yes. But racist, no. Welcome to the third episode of Jay's 15 for 15. And we're doing the most today. I want to start out by saying, I said it in the first episode, um, there's three types of white people to me. There's your covert racist, your overt racist, and your progressives. Let me, let me put it in this way. I hate racists, period. Whether you're covert or overt, I respect overt racists more than covert racist because you are who you are and you're not changing that and nothing is going to change it but guess what i know who you are and i know to avoid you covert racist i don't know who you are because you're laughing in my face you're talking to me you say hi and bye in the morning you come to my office you sit down you chat it up a little bit but behind my back you hate me and for no good reason I've always asked myself the question, why do racist white people, and I'm talking about only and strictly racist white people, because I want people to understand, I don't hate white people, I hate racists, right? And I don't want to say the term, I have white friends. No, that's not what I'm saying. I have mentors, I have family that are white. I call on my family. They're not truly my family, but because of the bond that we shared, y'all my family, right? And they're white, and they're progressive, and they understand. And I grew up with them, like I went to school with them, grew up with them, and we talked till today, right? I'm talking about the racist white people, the covert racist, um, Amy Cooper, to the overt racist, I ain't gonna name no names, right? So... <clears throat> Why do you hate us? We don't have what you have. Um, you think of white privilege, right? I don't, I have to tell my kids how to interact with cops so that they don't get killed when they're going out for a drive to the store. I have to think about the names I'm going to give my children because when they put their names on an application for school or for a job, I have to be conscious that their names are going to be perceived a certain way and not looked at like negatively and not even given a chance to interview for the job just based on their name. If I want to buy a house, in a nice area, I have to send one of my friends that are white to start the process and to, to, to go to the open houses because if I go myself, I might not see 
all of the nice houses in this area. Shit, I might not even see this area, right? Zoning. Um, I got to worry about my kids with other kids and their parents teaching them racist ideologies. Uh, one of my friends at work told me that his daughter came home crying, saying that, um, Daddy, Daddy, the kids at school said I got black hair, but I don't have black hair. I have brown hair. He said, baby, that's not what they were talking about. It wasn't the color of your hair that they were talking about. It was the texture of your hair and because you're black. That's hate. Why do kids treat other kids like that? And they were teasing her. I, I heard another story about a kid who kicked a ball into uh, an, one of the neighbor's yard. And it was a white couple. Um, and the kid wanted to get his ball back. So the kid went into the yard with his hands up in the air and walked towards the ball, grabbed the ball with one hand and kept his arm up in the air and walked back out. Your kids don't have to worry about that. My kids do. That's white privilege. That is what it means to be white in America. To have to walk down the street and not have to worry about, oh, the cops are gonna fuck me up if I jaywalk. Or the cops are not gonna or the cops are not gonna fuck me up because of my broken taillight. Right? Or that I'm I'm adequately represented on TV. When I turn the TV on, I could see myself and my kids could see themselves as doctors, lawyers, um, football stars, athletes, um, strong, stable homes with a good family nucleus, um, superheroes. What else? Um, what else do you want? It's so maddening that you have so much, but still hate so much. And for what? Because it can't be what we don't have. So it has to be strictly based off the color of our skin. And that's what I don't get. Because you don't know me. We could have the same beliefs, the same hobbies. But because my skin is a couple of damn shades darker than yours you hate me i don't hate white people i hate racists and that's why because they hate without reason we hate because we're conditioned right we're conditioned to hate the people that hate us it's been a process ongoing over time this has been brewing for decades centuries right we constantly relive history every year if a neutral observer were to look at the state of america right now they would question whether this was 2020 or 1948 it's that bad the only difference is is that we're able to fight back now before, where a white woman could say that that black man raped me, and then 
a couple weeks later, he's found unrecognizable to his family. Now we have video. Now it's on. It's recorded. Like my good friend Derek said, what happened to um, George Floyd is the same thing that happened to Tavon Martin. Only difference is George Floyd was recorded. And that's sad. Right? Because while your kid can wear um, a hoodie and walk to the store, get some Skittles and a drink, I got to tell my kid, nah, bro, I'm walking with you. That's white privilege. That's the problem in America right now is that nobody truly sits down and looks in the mirror and asks themselves, why am I so privileged? I feel like what tends to happen is that when it gets addressed, people get defensive and they start to say, well, I had the same issues and the same problems. I pay the same taxes and I pay the same money to go to, to school or get on the bus or go, get on a train. I pay the same amount as you. I pay the same amount of money for my groceries and it sucks. Yeah, you have human problems. Those are human problems. You wake up, you got to go to work. That's a human problem. It might suck. That's a human problem. You got to pay in New York, you got to pay 275 for a one-way fare. That's a New York problem. That's a fucking ridiculous New York problem. But it's still a human problem. Driving down the street at 9 a.m. in Atlanta and getting tased by the cops and being pulled out your car and beat up. Nah, that's a black problem. That's not a white problem. That don't happen to white people. That's the difference. I said it before. If you were to switch roles for one day, would you? Honestly, if you were to switch roles, like like Freaky Friday, right? You wake up in my body in the middle of Georgia, in the middle of Atlanta. Well, not Atlanta. Like, um... New Brunswick, Georgia, I think that's where it was. Or Minneapolis. Or shit. Let's go to Nashville. Let's go to Alabama. Right? Let's go to Texas. Would you switch roles? Would you do it? I, I guarantee you wouldn't. Because you know. Right? You're not stupid. You're not dumb. You see what's going on. You see the issues. You see the problems. But because it doesn't bother you... You're not worried about it. I think the funniest, most hypocritical thing I ever saw on, on the internet was this guy. In his past, if you look at his social media, he was pro-gun, super pro-Second Amendment. Like, yo, my guns, these are my guns. And sadly, his kid was one of the victims of a mass shooting. I can't remember the state. We've had so many. The kid didn't die, but he was badly injured. That changed his tone. So instead of being pro-gun, he's now anti-gun and pro-gun law. What changed? The bullet hit too close to home. Instead of it being somebody else's kid, it was now his kid. And that's the difference.
You won't change until the shit hits your doorstep. Kneeling to a national anthem is so far-fetched for you that it has become what it is right now. I told my friend, I said, it's funny because I think they wish we could kneel right now and do it peacefully. But we're beyond that. We're so far removed from civility because of how much we've been pushed that talking no longer seems like a viable option. Even Martin Luther King, who some of you like to cite in times like this, changed his tone in the end. You can't expect people to continually take shit and take it and not do something. It's a classic David and Goliath story. How many times are you going to be pushed over by the big giant? And big giant being the the blue shield and the wall, the, the silent blue wall, whatever that shit's called. And not all cops, but a good fucking majority of them, right? Government, the system, the high incarceration rates, social injustices, our education system, right? Kids in certain areas can't even get proper meals. The student to teacher ratio are sometimes upwards of 35 to one. The books are non-existent. What the hell is a computer lab? What, is that? what does that look like? You've pushed minorities into a corner and now you expect them to sing and pray and wish, hopefully, that it would end. But it starts with you, right? It starts with you. You have an opportunity to change. You can change all of this as if you're willing to do it. America is in a grave state, and don't ask black people to fix it, because they can't. They tried. They did every single possible protest they could possibly do. They did peaceful protests, they did peaceful marches, social, social media engagements, uh, trying to talk to congressmen and politicians. None of that shit worked. Every way that you told us to do, we did. So now here we are. It's not just George Floyd. It's not just Christian Cooper. It's not just Sean Reed. It's not just Ahmaud Arbery. It's not just Breonna Taylor. It's not just Philando Castile, Mike Brown, Trayvon Martin, Sandra Bland. It's those people and us. Because who knows 
if tomorrow, the next name added after George Floyd is Rainier Jeffrey or Derek Dudley or somebody that you know? Who knows? We're terrified, we're fed up, we're angry, and we're emotional, and you're not listening. And because you're not listening, shit's going down. While I don't condone looting, because it goes against the cause, and it detracts from the message and the, the, the rightfulness of the protest, because while I am pro-black, I am also pro-righteous, right? And there's nothing righteous about looting, especially in your own areas. If you go and loot and fuck shit up, fuck shit up where it's really going to do something, right? If it has to be done. Fuck shit up where it's like, all right, nah, y'all can't be fucking this up. Y'all fucking up your own community. And so while I don't condone it, I understand it. And I understand the anger behind it. And I understand the frustration that comes with it. And as the cops continue to try to remedy or or get control of the situation, as they bring the anti, um, anti-crowd uh, Humvees and tanks and all this stuff that they didn't bring for the gun-toting alt-right whites people that stormed the nation capital with automatic rifles fully loaded with bullets as they continue to do those things you're just going to antagonize the situation even further and you're going to make it more worse than it has to be so like I said what do y'all want to do What do y'all what do y'all want to say? What should we say? How should we handle this? You know, like should celebrities go out and say, hey, stop the looting? For what? It's not gonna do anything. And also, if you really look at it, it's not just black people looting. It's white people taking opportunities to loot too. And some of them are actually inciting the looting. There was an article that came out today of a young man, Caucasian male, that was the one that, that burnt the the, um, the Liberty Building in Georgia. Was it Georgia? I think it was Georgia. He was the one, he was the arsonist that burned the Liberty Building in Georgia. So y'all are inciting it. And the media is portraying us as, as, as the villains. Crazy. 